I'm going to shoot straight today. How's that? Um, let's pray first. Thank you, Lord. Father God, we just thank you right now for the anointing. It's on your word. We thank you that your word does not return void, that it accomplishes what you want it to, to accomplish. We just praise you right now for your truth. That's us free, Lord God, and we thank you for each one of these ladies, that their ears are open to hear and eyes are open to see what you would have them to see. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. And you give me a shout of praise to the Lord. I was really trying to think of what to title this, because this is a, more of a teaching session, but we will have ministry. Many of you have come up and, and told us that you need help in certain areas, and so I want to address this um, to that. Um, and I titled it The Well-Equipped Believer because I'm looking out at you ladies right now, and you are a bunch of dangerous women. <laughs> I'm serious. You know, it only took 12 men to change the world. 12 followers of Jesus. But you know what? There were some women in the background. In fact, one woman brought forth the seed of God, right? So we can't underestimate our role as women in this whole thing. And you know, it, uh, when God created the, the earth and he created man and woman, he made us in his image. And so he said, you know, I was telling some ladies this morning when we were praying, God did not curse man in the garden when, God trans, when people transgressed, when Eve was deceived and Adam transgressed. He did not curse man or woman. He cursed the serpent, and he cursed the ground, said it was going to be harder to bring forth fruit from the ground. There's going to be thorns and thistles and that kind of thing, mosquitoes and ticks and all that. I mean, you know, but anyway, so he did not curse us. He cursed the enemy, but he told Eve, he said, I'm, pl- I'm going to, you're going to bring forth the seed that will, he had, this wasn't plan B, by the way. He knew from the beginning man was going to transgress and he would have to have a plan in place to redeem us. So he told Eve, I'm going to put enmity between you and the serpent and, and he, and the seed, you're going to bear the seed of the living God and Praise the Lord. He's going to, you're going to, the seed of the woman is going to crush the head of the serpent. He's going to bruise his heel, but he's going to crush his head. Does that make sense? Am I saying that right? Okay, the seed of the woman, which turns out to be Jesus. You know, man, in that, we always call it the seed of men, you know, the sperm and that kind of thing. And, but it was the seed of the woman that was going to crush the head of Satan. So God, Jesus was born. He was all God, but he was all man. He was called himself the son of man. So how many of y'all know that we're in a war? 
We're in a spiritual war. All you got to do is see what's going on in this earth to know that we're in a spiritual war. And there's so many scriptures about spiritual warfare. That's what this is going to be talking about, first of all. Um, But we have been equipped to be overcomers and conquerors through Jesus. And it seems like we're getting beat up a lot, doesn't it? I mean, um, but you know what? God causes us to always triumph in him through Christ Jesus. And so we're going to talk some about this war that we're in. Um, You know, even though God knew from the day Adam and Eve sinned, we would be in a war against the world, the flesh, and the devil. Yet he sent a deliverer and a conqueror in Jesus to overcome the world, subdue the flesh, conquer the devil. His blood wiped away our sin. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Oh, the love that God has imparted to us, his children. And there, like I said, there's many scriptures about spiritual warfare in the Bible. But God has equipped us. And so this is what this, this time is about, the equipping that God gives us as children. He established man made in his image to have dominion. He said, go and have dominion on this earth. I'm going to kind of go over some basic things here. And rule. And there's a lot of people that say, well, if God's real, why is the world like it is? Well, God didn't mess it up. Man messed it up. We, God gave us dominion in this world to subdue, to do what we were supposed to do and keep this world. But whenever we decided to do things our own way, then the enemy came in and we uh, lost our dominion. But Jesus came back to give us the dominion back. And that's where we have to learn who we are in him. I had a, I had to tell a little granddaughter story. Um, my, uh, and it isn't the one that's here. <laughs> but, uh, you know, first scripture I learned was all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to our own way. And the, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of, of us all. So everyone has turned their own way. And I remember my granddaughter when she was probably about three, uh, she was doing something and I said, um, no, you need to do, you can't do that. And she in this little Minnie Mouse voice said, don't tell me what to do. And so <laughs> isn't that what we tell God? Isn't that where we're at a lot of times? Don't tell, and that's what, I mean, don't tell me what to do. You know, uh, we don't want to be submitted to that, um, to God's ruling and reigning over us. And so, but he, he wants us to be free to walk in the truth that he's provided for us. And so that the enemy came deceiving and tempting. Man succumbed, decided to be his own God. He lost his rightful place and most of all his unhindered fellowship with God. He lost his unhindered fellowship with God. But like I said, God had a plan. Jesus came to restore man to proper authority. Man can only rule through the one who conquered the enemy. Once again, we had access to walk and fellowship with our God. And the first scripture I have is John 1.12. But to all who believed him... 
to them and accepted him, he gave the right to become the children of God. And so, and you, he made alive. This is our, if you want to know spiritual warfare, read the book of Ephesians. It talks about our, our place in God, in Christ, and it talks about how we rule with him at the right hand of the Father. That's our position. Once he obtained for us, he translated us out of darkness into light. And so we have that position in Christ that we rule from. And, uh, and so in Ephesians, it says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Okay, how does that tells you really clearly how the devil has to work? He has to work through the sons of disobedience. He has to work through humans to do his his uh, plan, and uh, and so you know it's through disobedience, it's through sin among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others, okay? We were by nature children of wrath. So the spirit who now works through the sons of disobedience, remember that. And in Colossians 1.13, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. Um, Jesus' purpose in coming. Uh, for, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save that was, which was lost. He came to redeem us from our fallen condition, from, from where we fell. He came to bring us back into fellowship with the Father. And he did it with his precious blood. You know, looking back on the sacrificial system, there was a time when I, I just asked the Lord, why did they have to kill innocent animals in the old covenant? Because I'm an animal lover. I could not imagine the sacrificial system that he set up to kill animals for, for the uh, atonement of sin. But it's because it says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. And it had to be an innocent something to pay for our sin. And we know that the animals were not a permanent fix to that. They were to point to the one who did really truly do away with sin. And that was the Lamb of God. I can't think of anything more uh, innocent than a lamb. Um, And I think about... This movie I saw one time, and I thought it was a, excuse me, a really accurate depiction of the sacrifice. And Abraham was taking Isaac when he was little and showing him that he was sacrificing a lamb. And so he was getting ready to cut the lamb's throat. And Isaac turned away and he said, no, I want you to look at it. I want you to see the price of our sin, what it cost I want you to see that. And I thought that was a really good depiction of, of uh, how they did things then. Um, it cost something. Our sin cost something. It, co- it was a great cost to our Father who loved us so much. I just, oh, I want to know that so deeply. How much he really loved us to come down here 
and and uh, go to that cross and suffer and bleed and be beat to a pulp in order for us to have fellowship and reconciliation and to be reestablished in that relationship. Wow, what a cost that was. So, okay, Jesus came to seek and to save that which, which was lost. And then in Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Acts 10.38. So Jesus, I love this, I love this, I love this. If, I don't know how you feel about John uh, in the Passion Translation. Um, we're giving away some of those books because I just feel that... I don't know. John, in that translation, Jesus is called the living expression. The living expression of God. And it just, it'll just bless your, I can't read that first chapter without just weeping. Because it just becomes real to you that he is the living expression of God. So if you want to know what the Father is like, he says, if you see me, you see the Father. If you want to know what the Father is like, look at Jesus' life. Read in the Word what Jesus did, that he healed, that he set free, that he delivered. And, and he wants us in that redeemed state. And so we know that right now we're in a war, and until Jesus comes and reestablishes his kingship on this earth... He has to work through us to wrought righteousness. He has to work through the children of obedience to do his will. Instead of the children of disobedience that the devil works through, he works through the children of obedience to be living expressions of who he is. Praise the Lord. So, okay, um, now I want to talk a little bit about the 70. I'm going to try to watch my time. Oh my gosh, it's already 27. But uh, the 70 that Jesus sent out when he first, he said, when you, when you see these things happening, you see the kingdom of God being established in earth. And so he, he had 70 that were following him. He said, I want you to go out. I want you to heal. And I want you to, I give you authority uh, to go out and heal and cast out demons. Do, are we all on the same page here to know that there's still demonic activity, that there's still the prince of the power of the air. He's not the, he's not the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And, but he is the prince of the power of the air, and there is demon activity. Whether we want to believe it or not, it is, you know, it's in the Bible. It's still today. Still, there are still demons today. They still oppress us, and they still torment people. And so he sent the 70 out to demonstrate what the kingdom of God was going to look like. He said, this is what happens when the kingdom of God is in effect. You're going to see people healed. You're going to see people set free from, from uh, oppression of the enemy. You're going to see people cast out, demons cast out. So this was how Jesus lived, and he showed that through his ministry. And so he sent the 70 out, and they came back. And they were so excited. In the Luke, the 10th chapter. Are we getting the scriptures up? All right, great. 
Okay, Luke, the 10th 10th chapter. Um, Here's Jesus. He's waiting. The disciples have come, and they're all excited. These aren't the 12. These are the ones that he sent out, 70 of them. They return with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And so he, he says... Uh, Jesus rejoiced, said he rejoiced, and he said, he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, but that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in, the, in, in heaven. Hallelujah. So they were all excited. They saw the manifestations. But they had not yet experienced salvation themselves. They were only going on the authority that Jesus gave them in his name. But he was, gonna, he was saying, okay, rejoice in the fact that you're gonna, what I'm going to deposit inside of you is going to cause your names to be written in, in the Lamb's Book of Life, your eternal life. They couldn't understand that right then. Okay, I want to talk about our weapons. One time I taught on this with the children, and it was just a fun time to do that. I, I was back there teaching them on their weapons. Children need to know how to use the Word of God, don't they? And so I was back there during a mission conference one time, and I was teaching them on their weapons. And I was saying, you know, every time I would say weapons, we had a huge thunderstorm going on. And every time I would say weapons, a big lightning strike would come. <laughs> God sent some powerful special effects just for that lesson. And their eyes would get that big. Anyway, it was awesome. And when the, when it was over and we did the we exercised how to use those weapons, those children, remember Christy? We didn't know what to do with them, did we? <laughs> they fell in the power of God. They were praising God and it was just incredible. So you all need to learn your weapons, okay? And so the name of Jesus, that's the first one we're going to learn about. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. Philippians 2.10. The name of Jesus. There's so many scriptures about the name of Jesus. So I'm just giving you little pieces. This is not a comprehensive teaching, okay? I'm just giving you some things to to uh, get in touch with and you can look up all the other scriptures about the name of Jesus there's a bunch of them now the blood of Jesus does what for us cleanses us from all unrighteousness it reestablishes our relationship with God it is you know John said behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world that was a true statement He took away the sin of the world. Think about that. He took away the sin of the world by shedding his blood. So, but now in Christ Jesus, Ephesians 2.13, remember, read the book of Ephesians. If you want to learn how to do spiritual warfare, it's in there. I mean, it's all over, but especially the book of Ephesians, it's written to the church, to body of believers, okay? But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. Okay, by the blood of Christ. Now, so the blood of Jesus, we're good on that. The name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, and the spoken word of God. How did Jesus defeat the enemy when he went into the wilderness? 
He said, it is written. But he didn't just quote scripture from the old covenant. He knew it. He knew, he knew it. And, and the, the, the enemy did his best to derail. It had no effect on him because he knew who he was. And uh, Ephesians 6, 17, I take, and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. In Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And believe me, it will cut you inside. I mean, it will cut right to what you need. But it's a good kind of cutting. It's not, it's, you know, it'll, it'll go right to, it'll nail the things that need to be nailed if you let the word uh, come through. So how do we launch these weapons? The name, the blood, and the word of God. How do we launch them? Has anybody got any ideas on that? How about this thing right here? <laughs> huh? Okay, we speak it. We proclaim it. How do the preachers get up and they launch that weapon? Of the word of God. And it goes forth. We speak it. What else do we do? We live it. But truly to launch the weapon. We, we, how about worship? Are we launching that weapon? When we sing about the name? When we sing about the blood? Uh, hallelujah. How about uh, Declaring. How about declaring what God says about us? You know, sometimes we get into prayer, oh Lord, please, 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 when we need to say, in the name of Jesus, I declare over this situation, I declare God's blessing over this situation, I declare God's moving over this situation, I declare that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So, so that's a, another way we declare who we are in Christ, and we have to have the word in us to do that. That's one thing that we need. Can I tell you something about prayer? (laughs) Can I tell you just that? If you want to be powerful in prayer, get in agreement with the word of God. Get in agreement with what God says, and it will be established. What God says over your life, what God says over your family, what God says over the situations, Get in agreement with that word, and then it'll happen. It happens. So that's uh, the powerful word of agreement. That's what God wants. He wants us to agree with what he said about us and who he is. So the thief does not come except to steal, kill, or... Wait, let me go up a little bit. For we don't walk in the flesh. We do not war according to the flesh. So, you know, we can get mad and fight and do all kinds of things. It doesn't work. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God to, for pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into thought, every, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So we, a lot of our battle 
is right here between our ears. The enemy's throwing lies in there about who we are. Maybe they've been spoken over us, that we're no good, that we're worthless, those kind of things. Those lies begin to take root in our minds, and we have to go to the Word and say, okay, the Word says I'm this. I'm, the Word says this. Take that thought. No, that's not me. Take it into captivity and replace it with what God says. That's how you win that battle. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. John 10.10. 10. Okay, let me just say this. A believer, somebody that's believing in Jesus Christ, put their faith and trust in him as their Savior, cannot be possessed by the devil. They're by an agreement with that. Okay, cannot be possessed because possession indicates ownership. Ownership is, and, and when we accept Jesus our Savior, we belong to God. We're sealed uh, by the Holy Spirit unto God, and the devil does not own us. We used to sing this song, I belong to Jesus, I belong to him, I belong to Jesus, free from sin. And so when we, and I, you know, when you say that sometimes, I belong to Jesus, devil, you don't have any place in my life. I belong to him. But the devil can occupy, occupy places in our mind, in our will, our emotions. He can occupy a place. And so what we need to do is find out is, are we having recurring problems with the sin or a situation that we need deliverance from? The devil has put a little stronghold in there and tells us this is the way. I have control over you. Not true. God gives us a free will. When something when you, something says, I can't help it, or I can't do any different, um, that's a lie from the enemy. Um, the devil cannot control you unless you believe that lie and accept it into your life. That makes sense? Okay, so uh, what opens the door... Like I said, possession indicates ownership, but there can be an occupation in our body, in our minds, um, of the enemy. We may not have to have a demon cast out of us, out of you know that kind of thing. We may need ministry to have a demon uh, evicted. How's that? It's a better, better word. Evicted out of our life, but then we have to maintain that possession of that place. So we have to fill it with the Word of God. We have to fill it with, with Holy, be filled with Holy Spirit in order to maintain our territory. Spiritual warfare is all about territory. We've got a little uh, country called Israel that's no bigger than New Jersey that everything in the world is coming to try to take that territory. You know why? Because Jesus is coming back there. That's where he's going to set his feet down. The enemy doesn't want that. He says, it belongs to me. There's a moss built on that uh, temple mount that says, the devil's going to, I'm here. Nope. He's coming back there. He's going to split it wide open. Hallelujah. So that territory belongs to, to him. That's where he came as a man or as a baby. That's where he walked as a man, and that's where he's coming back to. That's his homeland. Okay, so... On this earth, obviously. 
Okay, it's about territory, and he wants to occupy the territory of our lives. He, you know, he can infest us with sickness. He can, he, you know, if we allow it to happen. But we do not need fear, people. We have nothing to fear when we are in Christ Jesus, okay? I want to dispel any fear in the name of Jesus right now. Just dispel the spirit of fear that would come from this. This is something that God has taken care of. Jesus has taken care of. We just need to learn how to get these things out of our lives so that we can live productively as a believer. Okay, the three entry points of the enemy... And uh, I'm moving really fast. I'm sorry if I don't make myself real clear here, but I'm trying my best to do that. The The three ways the enemy comes in to take territory, number one is sin, obviously. Sin is missing the mark. Sin is, the spirit behind sin is rebellion. So, uh... We have a moral compass inside of us called our conscience. I call it, that's, this is how I describe it. It's called our conscience. And, and, and we, we just know inside, you know, what I'm doing is not really right. Um, I better not do this. Or, and, but then the more we participate in that particular thing, the less we feel that moral compass. We begin to not feel it anymore. It becomes seared. And it becomes not pliable by the Holy Spirit to say um, and so uh, it behooves us to, you know, obviously not open the door to the enemy. That doesn't mean that sin brings in a demon always, but something that is continually oppressing you and affecting your life, that, keeps, that, that there's a stronghold set up and you can't seem to get free of, then there could be an occupation of the enemy that needs to be evicted. Okay? All right, so sin. Um, when we're in darkness, we're in the enemy's territory. As believers, it says, have no fellowship any longer with darkness. Let's keep us out of the territory of the enemy. Because we want God over us to protect us and his watch over us. But if we enter into the enemy's territory and do things like that, then we're open game for him to take his part in, in harming us or stealing from us. Okay? So, okay, sin. If we ask for forgiveness, God will cleanse us from unrighteousness. So if we have sinned and we ask for forgiveness and we, and we go on and we get stronger and able, more able to overcome that sin, then um, that's great. That's what God wants. But if we continue to have a problem that leads to demonic strongholds in our life, okay? Everybody understand that? The second way, entry point, first is sin. Second is generation curses. Now, um, the Bible says that sins of the father will follow follow to the next generation, the next generation, and all that. So that means, if you noticed in family lines, sometimes um, maybe abuse follows a family line, or drug drug abuse, or maybe... uh, child abuse, or maybe sexual abuse, or maybe fear, infirmity, which infirmity is a weakness in your body. It brings other spirits of sickness in with it. And so uh, it can be pornography. Maybe they follow the family line, 
And you see, or there's alcoholics in your family, or there's divorce in your family, just down, down, down generations. Then you need to break the curse of that generation curse. That you have to break it. And uh, abandonment of witchcraft, you know, using uh, different things of witchcraft. So you can break generational curses by using your authority. You declare the word, Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. That means the punishment of, that, the, that when we can't fulfill the law brings. He redeems us from every curse, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. Jesus took the curse. You know, in the garden, Jesus said, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. And then there's a scripture in, uh, I believe it's 2 Corinthians, it says, We receive this cup of blessing, which, talking about the Lord's communion. We receive this cup of blessing. So Jesus took the cup of cursing. And I'm not talking about foul language. I'm talking about the curse that came with, with uh, sin. He took that. He, he took that bitter cup for us and the suffering in order for us to take the cup of blessing that we, that we partake of in the communion. It's a reminder that Jesus set us free. He set us free. When you take communion, you can just be praising God. That's your cup of blessing, covenant blessing that you partake of. Your, your, the bread is the, uh, you take of his body where he suffered and he took stripes. And so your healing and so you partake of those elements that say I belong to God Jesus took this for me and I can rejoice in knowing what he provided for me through this um, cup you know when Jesus was disciples he celebrated Passover that night before he was betrayed he was celebrating the Passover meal and he said it is with great joy it was with Oh, I have been so eager to share this night with you. He knew what was ahead of him. He wanted to reveal himself as the Lamb of God to them. They didn't see it then. But he was revealing himself as the fulfillment of the Passover feast. He was the Lamb that was slain. His blood was shed. His body was broken. He revealed himself on that night to the disciples who he was. And later they found out... um, more about that obviously okay so the third entry point first sin second generational curses you can break that we're going to have a ministry time if you anything hits home with you all and some of you have already been up and you want ministry for different things like that come on up we're going to have a ministry time uh for for these things for you to be set free forced entries number three not everything that's done to you is your fault Sometimes there's rape, there's abuse, there's uh, things that happen to you in your life from your parents that cause you trauma. And I want to interject here something that goes for all of these things that has to be uh, counted or brought in, and that's forgiveness. Somebody said when they spoke, they said the most powerful thing... uh, 
that there is is forgiveness or the most powerful thing that can be done. And I think the most powerful words Jesus spoke um, was on the cross when he said, Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Forgiveness came to us. How can we withhold forgiveness to those who have harmed and hurt us? How can we withhold that and, and still receive the tremendous forgiveness? So I want you to consider the fact that sometimes you have to forget. You always, if you want to receive from God, you've got to learn forgiveness. There's forgiveness prayers in the back of your uh, those uh, chairs. And it'll take you through those forgiveness prayers on how to forgive. And what you do when you forgive, you're not saying to that person uh, that they're not accountable for what they did. What you're doing is you're saying, if you're not forgiving them, you're being judging over them. You're taking God's place, and you're judging them in God's place. So he cannot uh, forgive you in that position and, and freely flow to you. So you, you, what you do is when you forgive, and you, may not, you don't have to feel it. You don't have to feel, you, you may not want to do it. Obviously, a lot of us don't want to do it something that's harmed you greatly and you just can't forgive you can't forgive but if you don't do it you'll not be released from the enemy's work in your life so you have to what you do is when you say lord give me the grace but i choose by the act of my will i choose with my words to forgive this person from harming me i choose to release them all my judgments against them i'm not going to judge them you're the great judge. You'll take care of it. I've watched some programs about crime and different things, true ones, and how people can get so bogged down in unforgiveness and they can't go on with their life. It shuts you down. You have to learn to forgive. You may need help to, to, get, to be prayed for so you're, you, you can get past some of those things and forgive, but that's, that's big in this forced entry thing where the Lord... Uh, requires of us if we want our prayers answers answered we we must forgive it's just it's just has to happen so and uh those forgiveness prayers are awesome in fact we probably need to pray them a lot more often than we do so all right praise god everybody with me i'm moving real fast now then weapons of our warfare are i'm gonna hear Spoken word of God, name of Jesus, blood of Jesus. That's our weapons. We launch them through our mouths, through our words, through our praise, through our prayer, through prophesying, through proclaiming, through declaring who God is. That's how we launch those weapons. And so if you want to see the enemy defeated in your life, that's what you do. Now... One of the most, we know that what happens in salvation, okay? What happens in salvation, I want to give you a picture of that. The Lord showed me this one time in, uh, I think it's Matthew 3. I don't have a scripture out for that, but it's about Jesus' baptism. And he comes to John, and he asks John to baptize him. Now, Jesus was righteous. He never sinned, so why would he need to be baptized? But he said to fulfill all things, to fulfill righteousness, 
And, and John didn't want to do it because he said, I'm not worthy to do this. But here's what Jesus showed us through his baptism. Here's what he showed us. He showed us a picture of what happens in the new birth experience. He also showed us of what was going to happen with his death, burial, and resurrection. I remember when I was six years old, I was baptized. I believe I came to know Jesus at an early, early age. I had wonderful parents that led me to the Lord. And I went to a church where they had an altar call every Sunday. And one Sunday, well, my brother witnessed to me on the back of a horse one time. He had gotten baptized, oh, a few months earlier. He said, you need Jesus. He was telling me, you need Jesus. And I got to thinking, okay, you know. But, you know, I never really felt away from Jesus as a child. I, I trusted God as a child. But I came to a point at six years old where I thought, you know, I do need to choose Jesus. And so every Sunday there would be an altar call. And the preacher would say, okay, anybody want to receive Jesus? Well, one time, my, this is before I, my brother talked to me. But my grandmother, I sat with her in church every Sunday. And uh, her and my granddad. And I held hands with my granddad all the way through church. I, was, I worshipped my granddad. And so one Sunday she said, don't you want to go down to receive Jesus? And I said, yeah, I'll do that. So I went down and the preacher, uh, you know, I went down with my grandmother. And uh, he came out to our house that week. And he said, "I I want to know, did you go down to receive Jesus because your grandmother wanted you to or because you wanted to? And I said, because my grandma wanted me to. You know, because I was very innocent in the thing, and I loved my grandma, and I'd do just about anything she told me to do. But it got me to thinking. So he didn't baptize me. He was a wise man. Because I had not really received the truth of it in my own heart. But then my brother talked to me, like I said, on the horseback. And so one Sunday, I went to church. Obviously, we missed, we didn't miss any church services. And the altar call came, and oh, I just felt this tugging in my heart that I wanted to, I, want, I was choosing Jesus. But I thought the only way I could get it was to go down the altar. But I resisted that day. I resisted it, and I was scared. I didn't tell anybody. The next Sunday came, and, well, the whole week I was absolutely miserable because I had not done that. So the next week I made it down that aisle so fast. And I cried all day. I cried all day. My grandpa said, why are you crying? You're supposed to be happy. I know, I'm happy. (laughs) But anyway, so that was my my salvation experience. But what Jesus showed in 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 this whole thing, in his baptism was, when he, let me find that real quick. I think I can remember it, but I want to make sure. Yeah, okay. When he came and was baptized, it says that um, he went under the water. The first thing that happened was the heavens opened. Now, Jesus was not a sinner, but the heavens opened. A dove descended on him, and the father said, This is my son. In whom I'm well pleased. That's what happens to us in the salvation experience. It is so what happens to us. 
when we receive Jesus, the heavens are opened. God is pleased and he accepts us into his kingdom. The Holy Spirit comes and does that sealing work of regeneration in our lives. We become regenerated in our newborn spirit that's sealed with Holy Spirit. And then we begin to walk the walk of a Christian life. Does that become all roses and peaches and cream from then on out? I mean, mean, you, you might have some time where you're just on top of the world for a while and then the enemy starts coming in and bringing all all his crud so that's the salvation experience the born again salvation experience i want each of you lady to understand it may not have happened really dramatic with you it may have been years later every experience is different but i want you to know without a doubt that you have received jesus and so today when we have a little ministry time here if you need to know that and you need someone to walk you through that, that prayer or whatever, then please don't delay in coming to that. But I believe most of you are probably um, have been born again. But all right, the salvation experience. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, it's real important. The confessions in your, of your mouth are real important. And believe in your heart that God's raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For with the heart one believes into righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made into salvation. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, does that mean your mind has changed? I mean, your mind, your total thinking has changed when you're born again. You have to renew your mind. Your mind still wants to rebel. Your mind still wants to steer the way of your life and so you have to renew it to the word of god to who you are okay so then the next thing that we're we're looking to is um, the infilling of the holy spirit so lisa is it okay we're okay all right how much time i got okay i want plenty of time to minister i want to share with you experience of the holy spirit baptism or infilling of the Holy Spirit. These are the words of John the Baptist speaking of Jesus before his baptism. And I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So... Um, And then Jesus speaking to the crowds in Jerusalem. This was at one of the feast days. He, he, He called out. He said, He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, innermost being, will flow. He said, All you who are thirsty, come. He said, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of the innermost, out of his heart, the innermost being, and Leah was talking about the guts or the belly, It says belly in some interpretations of the word shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. And then Jesus instructed the disciples before he left the earth and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the father, 
which he said, if you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. That was in Acts, before Jesus ascended. He wanted them to wait, to wait until they received the promise. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and all the end of the earth. So the next step that we need to take following our salvation experience is, uh, and being baptized in water, I'm not going to talk about that a lot because that's important to acknowledge what your born-again experience to be baptized in water, is the baptism or the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Our salvation experience is the only requirement to receiving this experience called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of benefits to receiving this gift. And it's a gift just as salvation is a gift. You don't have to qualify other than being born again. We cannot earn it. As a born again believer, we freely receive it. Jesus said we shall receive power, which is in the Greek dunamis, where we get the word dynamite. It's a word we get, uh, yeah, we get dynamite from. We desperately need that power to live our lives and to be and to defeat the enemy in our lives and to understand the word. Okay, uh, we can show and tell others how Jesus has transformed our lives. That's the the witness that I'm talking about. The witness. I used to think the witness was just going out and passing out tracts or witnessing. You know, just going door to door, and, and that can be part of it. But the witness is what God has transformed, how he has transformed our lives to look like Jesus. That I know Jesus personally. I'm a personal witness of what he's done in my life. And this is, this is his, he's li- living through me. He's a living expression. And so uh, other benefits of the gift is, well, also Holy Spirit comes not only to give us power to be a witness, he also comes to produce the fruit of the Spirit in our lives and to bring gifts, the gifts that he brings uh, of the Holy Spirit. And you can read about those in uh, the chapters in Corinthians. Now, there's some controversy about the, the tongues. It says that a lot of people believe tongues have passed away. I believe, you know, if you want to know what tongues are, there are personal prayer language. My go-to scripture for that is 1 Corinthians 14, 14. That when I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays. And you've heard several times during this, this, this uh, conference that we are, first of all, spirit. We live in a body. We have a soul, which is our soul is our mind, will, and emotions. So word for in Greek is suke, where we get the word psychology and some other words. So that is our soul, our mind, will, and emotions. Now our soul can be fickle. It can go with feelings, emotions. But our spirit man is born again, and we need to build it up. It says building it up, most holy faith, Jude 20, praying in the Holy Spirit. So we need the power that Holy Spirit brings. It says they begin speaking in tongues. Uh, it's a wonderful gift. It is our language to God. It is our special only, lang- our own language from our spirit to pray. I'll give one example of, of how that, to have that affirmed, you know, confirmed. I knew, uh, uh, I don't know if you remember Dr. Whitaker. He used to be on TV a lot, um, quite a while ago. 
Anyway, he was a spirit-filled believer, and he had a massive stroke. And uh, this is to explain that our language doesn't come from up here. We have a language center up here, and when you have a stroke in that area of your brain, you can't talk. You can't speak. You can't get your words formed. And so he had a massive stroke, and he couldn't speak. But a minister called him on the telephone, had him put the telephone up to his ear, and he said, Donald, he said, he started praying for him. He said, I want you to pray in your prayer language. And he took off in his prayer language. He didn't have any problem praying in his prayer language because his spirit was praying. It wasn't coming from his brain, his mind. It was coming from his spirit. And that enabled him to later to be able to be even rehabilitated and healed in the area of his stroke. So that's just one example. That explains to me, and I've heard a lot of other different stories uh, about the spirit language. So we need this gift if you haven't received it. And even if you have and you want to be refilled or you want to be ministered to in regard to um, some deliverance, some getting set free from some strongholds. I want you all to feel free to come up. Some of you have come up, and I've told you to listen to this lesson. Is everybody with me? I've kind of just shot this out for lack of time. Okay. So our spirit language is important. Now, there's a lot of controversy in denominations. Let the Holy Spirit be your witness to this. I remember I didn't understand it because I was in a denomination where they didn't believe it. I didn't understand it, but I knew in my heart the gifts of the Spirit were real. We need them worse, not worse, but we need them as bad today as they did then. We, we, we need all the gifts and all the power that we can have from God to be powerful prayers. That's another thing, be powerful. It's Romans, the eighth chapter, says the Spirit knows how to pray. We're weak. We don't know always how to pray with our brain. How do we pray about a situation that we don't know everything about? We pray in our spirit language, and God hears us, and we pray the perfect will of God. Read the chapter. Romans chapter 8 is awesome on the spiritual language. And so read, read that. My spirit prays. We want our spirit to pray, don't we? It's a straight connection to God. Hallelujah. The controversy in, in, in the chapter of Corinthians where Paul, where people were in the church and they were all praying in tongues and nobody could understand what was being said. So he was correcting them and saying, okay, I want you to speak plainly when you're in a congregation to speak the word. But, I, but when, you, when you're in your personal language uh, and when you're speaking to people, if I were to pray out in my tongues right now, you wouldn't understand what I was saying. It wouldn't build you up any at all. But it, it's my personal prayer language. But, but when you speak words of pro- prophetic words or words of encouragement, then people can understand. So he said, I want you to speak words where people can understand in the congregation. But in your own private lang- prayer life, speak the spirit language, okay? Is everybody with me? All right. Is there anybody that wants more? I got to tell you that, uh, praise God. Let's just pray just a minute. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. 
Likewise, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we don't know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself grabs a hold, is what that says, makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Okay, when you come up to receive, if you haven't received before, Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. That's what the Word says. John came baptizing in water. Jesus came to baptize in the Holy Spirit. You just thank God. I thank you, God, this is a gift for me. I thank you, God, that, that you want to fill me with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, I just ask you to fill me up. Fill me up with your Spirit. Fill me. And I expect to speak in the heavenly language and my spirit language unto you, Lord. And just receive that free gift. Just be free to receive it. How many of you all have the, this gift has been really precious to you? Raise your hands. This gift has been so precious to you. Amen. Oh, my word. I can't describe how it's changed my life. And I did, like I said, I was raised where I didn't believe it. But I knew, I kept searching the word, and I came to this scripture in John, the 16th chapter, that says, when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will lead you and guide you to all truth. So I asked Holy Spirit, Tell me the truth about this. Do I need this gift? Is this you? And Holy Spirit confirmed it. One night I went to sleep and woke up praying in my prayer language. And, you know, I, I, I was a seeker. Are you guys seekers? You want to be seeking the kingdom. You want to be seeking the things of the Spirit. You want to know more. You want to go deeper. Always be a seeker. You know, one of the best scriptures uh, in Luke, I think, 6th chapter, Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door shall be open. How much more did the Holy Spirit want to give you the good gift? Hallelujah. Which he is a good gift. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid to receive. All right. I want my prayer ministers to come up here. What we're going to do is we're going to have one side over here. Some of them over here. If you need to be set free from something that's held you back, and some of y'all have already said you do. One lady said to me, I'm not leaving here until I get set free. How's that? I mean, is she going to get what she asked for? All right. Praise God. Okay, so this side over here. Let me see. All right. All right, I want... You may need both. You may need the infilling of the Holy Spirit. You may need to be set free. If you, if you want to be filled with the Spirit, but you need to be set free from something, I want you to get set free first, and then we want to fill you with the Holy Spirit. I want some background music, Kaylin. So I want you to be, if you have a stronghold that you need to be delivered from or prayed about, I want you to go to the ministry over on this side. Okay? Something you need to be set free of. Be hungry. Pray. If you don't want to come up, pray, okay? Be praying for these people that do come up. Be hungry, okay? If you want to be set free, go over here. If you want to be filled with the Spirit of God, you go over here on this side. It's a generational curse. 
go this side. If it's generational curse, you want somebody to lead you through that. If it's sin, a stronghold set up from sin. If it's uh, something in your spirit that you're convicted, I need help with this. I need help with this. Go over here first. And then if you've been filled with the Spirit, but you want to be refilled. You know when Paul and them, when they got filled with the Spirit, the disciples, it wasn't two days later that they said, fill us again, Lord. We need power to get through this because they were being shut down in the synagogue. They said, fill us again. You can have many fillings of the Holy Spirit. You can, you can ask to be filled again. But you, you should receive your prayer language. Oh, you need it. it. It's so valuable in the area of prayer. It's so valuable. So you need that. So if you want to do that, go over here on this side, okay? If you want to be filled or refilled, just you all thank you for hanging with me. I know this is like a shotgun coming at you, all of this stuff. But thank you for hanging in here. If you have questions, I'm open to be to answer those questions. If you have, if you have doubts about any of this teaching, ask Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth. Say, lead me in the Word to show me the truth in this situation. Lead me in the path of righteousness. He is the Spirit of Truth. You can count on the fact that He will lead you to truth. So if you have questions or doubt, it's okay. You don't have to do it if you don't want to. But just be open. Be a seeker. Seek, search the word for the truth. Let Holy Spirit... And please, ladies, there's something really good tonight coming. Don't miss it. Don't miss it.